Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello there, Foo followers. Listen, a quick note before we start today's episode. We have set up a PayPal donations link. You can find it at paypal.me forward slash kung fu movie guide if you like the podcast and our website kung fu and if you're a fan of the content that we produce then please do feel free to visit that link and donate to the show any support that you can offer us helps this podcast and our other channels and it is always greatly received and i do know that a few of you have already donated so for those of you who have thank you so much i'm absolutely blown away by that thank you This show and the website is very much put together by the fans for the fans. So it is awesome to know that you guys are out there and you're really enjoying what we're doing and you would like to see it continue. So any correspondence that you have regarding the show and the website, you can send that to us via social media. We are on Twitter. The name there is at KF Movie Guide. We are also on Instagram and Facebook under at Kung Fu Movie Guide. And of course, if you do want to send me an email then the email address is as always hello at kungfumovieguide.com okay thank you so much for listening to this episode of the show it is episode 59 and it features my conversation with the great chinese canadian actor ludi lin so without any further ado let's get on with it here we go well if you're really so determined to have a fight then i'll oblige hello 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 there ladies and gentlemen boys and girls foo followers around the world welcome one and all to the kung fu movie guide podcast this is season five episode 59 my name is ben johnson and i'm the host of this podcast thank you so much for checking it out for listening for downloading Thank you so much. How are you? Are you keeping well? Are you staying safe? I do very much hope so. The Corona Coaster continues, it seems. And um, I'm very conscious, obviously, that there are ups and downs all over the place at the moment. So we do obviously have quite a big international listenership. I went into the stats the other day and noticed we have listeners in Saudi Arabia, Venezuela, India, Egypt, Mongolia, Panama, Israel, Pakistan, Iran, Slovenia. I'm just reeling these off now. You name a country, we seem to be uh, we seem to be listened to out there, and it's um, it's really amazing. And uh, I do know that obviously when I do speak to you guys from. You know, my base here in London, the situation obviously might be very different wherever you are listening to this. So with that in mind, I do hope things are cool with you. We are all Foo followers here and we are united in our shared love of all things martial arts movies. And oh boy, have we got a great guest for you all today. We have none other than Liu Kang himself. Ludi Lin is on the show today. Ludi is playing the lead role in the new Mortal Kombat movie. 
He joins an amazing ensemble cast of martial arts talent. Includes people like Joe Taslim, Hiroyuki Sanada, Max Wang, Louis Tan. It's an amazing cast. The film wrapped in December last year. It filmed out in Australia with the first-time director Simon McQuaid. It is co-produced by James Wan. The co-writer Greg Russo said on Twitter not that long ago that it is an R-rated version of Mortal Kombat. So, obviously very different to the 1995 film, which starred Christopher Lambert, Robin Shu, and Kerry Tagawa, of course. I absolutely love the 90s version of Mortal Kombat, but obviously this sounds like... Quite a different beast. Ludi and I talk quite a bit about Mortal Kombat on this episode of the show. So, if, like me, you are eagerly anticipating the Mortal Kombat reboot, then there is plenty to enjoy coming up on today's show. Wikipedia is telling me that uh, Mortal Kombat is coming out in the USA on the 15th of January 2021. But, of course, who the hell knows anything anymore? I mean, that may well change. But anyway, let's hope that that is just around the corner. Ludi Lin is an actor based in Vancouver, Canada. His career in Hollywood was given a major boost when he was cast as the Black Ranger in Saban's 2017 Power Rangers reboot. You can head over to KungFuMovieGuide.com to read my review of that film. It was quickly followed by his turn in James Wan's Aquaman. Ludi played the underwater warrior Merc in that film. Ludi's also in the Striking Vipers episode of Black Mirror, which is on Netflix. I don't know if you've seen that, but it is uh, it is a great episode. It's the one where the two guys go into the virtual reality beat-em-up game, which is actually, looking back, it's kind of modelled on a sort of Mortal Kombat-type computer game anyway so do check out that episode and see Ludi at work there Ludi is also enjoying a great career in Chinese film and television he was in the huge 2014 fantasy hit Monster Hunt and you can currently see Ludi Lin in the Netflix series The Ghost Bride we had a fun and at times quite a philosophical chat which was recorded in lockdown, it was actually during the height of the coronavirus pandemic back in April of this year, 2020. That conversation is coming up shortly on today's show. Before I throw over to that, I did just want to quickly share some cool news that's going on related to some friends of the show. A quick shout out to the UK action star Zara Fivian and the director Matt Routledge. They have both been guests on this show and they have a new movie out and it's available now on digital and it's called Tribal Get Out Alive. It's an action, martial arts, zombie horror film. It's really good fun. I would recommend going online and checking it out. Both Matt and Zara, of course, have been on this podcast. They were on episode 43 of this show, which was recorded live at the 2019 Fighting Spirit Film Festival here in London. You can go back and listen to them both discuss the film Tribal. There is also a review of Tribal on our website, kungfumovieguide.com. Really great to see Zara step up and play such a cool, kick-ass lead character on screen as she does in Tribal, so go online and check that film out. It is a lot of fun. Also, we've heard the American network AMC has picked up the hit UK series Gangs of London, 
Really big fan of Gangs of London. It was supposed to go to Cinemax in the USA, but they exited the project. So it was homeless for a while. Wasn't sure where Gangs of London was going to land, but AMC is the network that has now picked it up. It will also be getting a second season as well, which is fantastic news. We should say, of course, that Gangs of London is created by Gareth Evans and Matt Flannery. They are the creative force behind the Raid films. And if you are a fan of Gareth's work, then do remember to check out my conversation with Gareth and the Gangs of London stunt coordinator Jude Poyer. I did also want to give a special shout out to friend of the show Joey Anser. Joey is the main henchman in The Old Guard. It stars Charlize Theron. It's out now on Netflix. We also have a review of The Old Guard on our website. Joey, of course, made, without doubt, the best live-action adaptation of the Street Fighter video game. I can't think of anything, really, that tops Assassin's Fist, in my humble opinion. If you haven't seen Street Fighter Assassin's Fist, please do. Joey was my guest on episode 29 of this podcast, and it was great to see him in such a sizable role there in The Old Guard, and he even gets a pretty decent fight scene in there as well. So that was really good to see. And hot off the press, you may have already seen the trailer to The Batman. This is Matt Reeves's new version of The Batman Story, and it stars Robert Pattinson. I am delighted to finally be able to say that Tara Mackin, who was my guest on episode 55 of this show, it was released a few weeks back, she is Zoe Kravitz's stunt double in the film, which essentially means that she is playing Catwoman. It's awesome news, and I did meet up with Tara just before Covid hit here in London to record our conversation. She was over in London filming The Batman at the time, The Batman isn't actually finished. They've cobbled together a trailer, I guess, to keep the fans happy. (laughs) But the film is still ongoing. They're working around a lot of the restrictions, of course, that are now in place with regards to the coronavirus. However, the news of Tara's involvement is now finally out there and we can talk about it. So we are super excited to see her work in that film as Catwoman, (laughs) uh, whenever that film finally gets released. So that's Zara, Matt, Gareth, Jude, Joey and Tara, all awesome people doing fantastic work. Do go online now and check out their stuff. And of course, all previous episodes of the Kung Fu Movie Guy podcast are available now everywhere that you get your podcast. We are up to season five of the show and we are releasing new episodes every two weeks. So... Do make sure you subscribe to the show in order to never miss a brand new episode. And of course, if you do already subscribe, thank you so much. Just one final thing before we throw over to Ludi Lin. I record this intro usually a day before the episode goes out. So it's actually Sunday here as I'm recording my voice. And we've just heard online that the fabulous Hong Kong director Benny Chan has passed away. Benny was only 58 years old. Benny's work includes some really great modern era martial arts classics, particularly with Jackie Chan. He directed the films Who Am I, New Police Story and Rob B. Hood as well. But he also did films like Gen X Cops, uh, Invisible Target, Shaolin, 
He did the film Call of Heroes from a few years back. He was taken ill actually during the production of the film Raging Fire, which we're very excited about. This was the first time Benny had worked with Donnie Yen. That film has now wrapped and we are awaiting a release date for the film Raging Fire. It was very sad to see the news this morning, so my condolences go out to his friends and family, of course. Benny has left a huge wealth of amazing films, so do go online and check out the work of Benny Chan, some really great martial arts movies in there. And we did just want to say a big heartfelt thank you to Benny Chan for all of the great films that he did make during his lifetime. Okay, it is now Ludi Lin time. As I said earlier, this episode was recorded back in April of this year, 2020, just when the world was going into full-on lockdowns. We should say that around this time there was also a spate of racist attacks that were going on at the time, both online and in the USA in particular, which started a campaign called Wash the Hate. Quite a few Asian American celebrities from the world of film, music, business and television were involved in the movement, as was Ludi Lin. You can read up on the Wash the Hate campaign by heading over to the website washthehate.com and you can keep up to date with all the latest Ludi Lin news by visiting his Instagram page. He is at Ludi Lin, and he is also on Twitter at Ludi underscore Lin, and on Facebook, he is at Ludi Lin Actor. Okay, that is more than enough from me for the time being. I will be back at the end of the show to sign off properly, but until then, let me now throw over to my conversation with the great actor, Power Ranger, and soon-to-be Liu Kang, here we go, here he is, the great Ludi Lin. How are you finding all this? It's a little bit, uh, it's a bit strange, isn't it? It's a strange time, but it's yeah. alright. Yeah? Yeah. It's a good time to explore the great indoors. Yeah. <laughs> Do you deal well with being inside for a long period of time? How do you how do you deal with that? Uh, it's okay. I'm I'm pretty comfortable with myself, and luckily I'm locked up with um, uh, someone I I get along with very well. So good. Yeah, it's good. been okay. And your training still? Yeah, I just finished actually. What does a Ludi Lin sort of training session when you can't go to the gym look like? Have you sort of done a home gym setup? <laughs> uh, it's kind of always been like that for me. Um, cause I travel around so much. I usually just train with, uh, whatever I've got, like my body weight or whatever furniture is in the house, you know? Um, but actually before this, I had the wherewithal to, to buy a squat rack. So I have that around. Um, it's right upstairs. I changed one of my bedrooms into, uh, basically into a squat room. So usually I jump around to some squats and, and, uh, do some boxing. Yeah. You're keeping fit there, but are you coping mentally with this? So, Ben, I don't separate the mental and the physical. Yeah. Actually, yeah. I think it's it's part of the same thing. So, for example, some people get freaked out when I tell them I work out for four, in the, uh, for four hours in the morning. Sure. So I got up at, yeah, I got up at around 5.30 and I worked out till around 9.30. But it's the same thing. You know, things come to me in my mind as I work out. It's It's all part of the same part of the same release and the same 
like awakening. You know, same thing with in acting. Sometimes when we're too so-called in our head, we need to move our body, right? So when you get out of your mind, you have to get into your body, and then sort of the same thing in reverse. So it's yeah. kind of um, it's kind of all one as a whole. Are you still auditioning for things, even though you're in in your flat? <laughs> Uh, sometimes I don't I don't audition for too many things, but yeah. sometimes I still get audition uh, requests. But they've been, they've tapered off. No one, everyone's very optimistic, but no one's really uh, certain when things will start back up again. Yeah. Um, luckily, uh, I met I met Simon, our director for Mortal Kombat, and we we're just yeah. discussing how lucky we are to having finished um, our principal photography yeah. before this whole thing started. Yeah, and that so sort of just snuck in there, didn't it, just before the shutdown, really? Yeah, that's right. And now he's he's sort of like editing and completing the film remotely in Australia. Yeah. Um, otherwise, otherwise, I don't know. It's just, you know, we get so into this, into this um, narrow space of what we do and who we are mm. and i think acting is probably just one facet of my work you know it, it's um it's all part of a bigger picture i think so yeah if i can't do acting right now there's a lot of different things to work on like a lot of people have been in the entertainment industry have <laughs> been making their own entertainment in yeah. a way that's kind of in a way that's kind of freeing right because you're yeah. usually stuck into um kind of like a studio system and you think the only way that you can act or the only way that you can you can work, the only way that you can make a film, is through um, a process that involves you know four or five hundred people at the same mm-hmm. time. But really, all you need right now is a is a, a cell phone and a, some sort of idea. <laughs> my work, my goal in life has always been about connection. So it's about connecting um, everyone in the world, every single person that has a consciousness. Mm-hmm. And I think the only way that we could do that is to bridge this gap between the East and the West. So yeah. um, if we're going to go on after this, this is a really great opportunity to do that. You know, the cultures come from such drastically different backgrounds, mm-hmm. but unless you figure out a way to translate and communicate, then we're just going to end up in a massive war and we all die. So mm-hmm. I don't know what the mm-hmm. point of that is. Yeah. I mean, we should talk about that. I mean, I guess you're in quite a interesting position where you have this sort of successful career on on both sides don't you you have your you know hollywood film career but also you're a big name in in china as well being bilingual being able to travel between the two it puts you in quite a unique situation that was a conscious effort on your part to design a career like that uh to design a career i always i always desired it yeah, and I don't know how you define success. For me, it's just um, finding meaning in what I'm doing. So I still find it very, very meaningful, and I think I always will. Um, so it's always what I wanted to do because, um, because you know, for <laughs> as much as I'm, as I'm an actor, I don't think that you can just put on someone else's hat and just become that person, mm. right? So, and. The same goes for if you're a certain type of person, no matter how much you try to reject it, you, you can't because it's, yeah. it's, it's like in your blood, it's in your genes. So for myself, I was born in China, but I've been um, raised almost all, all around the world. 
Um, so I, I, it's impossible for me to reject um, the Chinese culture, the Asian culture that's in me. But it's mm. also impossible for me to reject everything that I've picked up along the way um, and all those interesting things and all those, uh, you know, like legacies from other cultures. Mm. So, mm. you know, I, it's, it's the only way for me to do it if I'm going to lead a meaningful um, fulfilled and full life, I think. But are you noticing the kind of work that you're being offered in China compared to what you're being offered in America? Is there a distinction between the two types of roles? Uh, for, for me, I think it's the type of roles that I lean towards in yeah. China or in the West because... Um, you know, Chinese culture, it's quite a, quite a reclusive culture, mm. right? Like a lot of Asian cultures. We don't try to um, penetrate our culture into other societies and other cultures. We don't, uh, we don't um, lean upon other cultures to assimilate to us, right? So there's a real sense of insider and outsider. So for China, because for myself, because I've been raised around the world and I come with a different... Uh, I don't know if it's a flavor or some sort of aura that I project, but it's they uh, local Chinese people really sense that I'm kind of a different beast, kind yeah. of a different breed. So for me, the challenge for me over there is to make uh, to take on roles that make me feel like um, indistinguishable mm. from any other local. So that's, that's kind of my challenge. Um, so in China, I like to take on roles that are very local, maybe speaking a local, very local dialect that Mm -hmm. only locals would know. Um, because as you know, there's hundreds of dialects in China and they're all like different languages. So, um, they're not just accents, they're actually different languages. Mm -hmm. So the challenge over there for me is to be able to, to, uh, take on those things and convince people that, um, that it's an authentic story. That I'm yeah. telling, you know, yeah. um, in the in, in the West, it's just chasing roles and making roles that are given to me as whole and as complex as possible, because mm-hmm. um, because there's a there's a huge misunderstanding of what Asian cultures and what Asians in general are about in the West. So um, it's very difficult. Like I said, you can't you can't just put on someone else's hat and, and become that person. So I don't blame the writers who aren't, uh, who haven't been cultivated in the Asian culture to write fully authentic roles. So I think my job there is to fill those gaps in. So if it's an if it's an action or a kung fu role, um, what is it about this person that's that um, that's outside of the kung fu? What makes him? You know, where is the martial arts in this person's life? Like, where does it belong? And what's the bigger picture? How to fill it out? There's a big deal now around representation, accurate representation in Hollywood. I'm just wondering over the last few years, do you notice, you know, more characters coming your way that perhaps weren't being given to you or offered to you in the past? Yeah, there's definitely some interesting shifts, you know? Yeah. Um. I've I've gotten audition auditions for roles that have the last name, you know, like McCormick or 
or yeah. Nelson, where in the past it was always Wong, Lee, Lin. Yeah. So I think I think people are trying. I mean, they're really trying. I, I know it's difficult, but people are trying to envision what it would be like. At least they're trying to get their minds open around the idea that a role could be just a, uh, just a role and it could be interesting played by any character from any ethnic background yeah. or any cultural background because they'll bring their um, own... Uh, flavor and personality to it right yeah. and you can't really yeah you can't i mean that's art i think art is to art affects people right it's it's mm. from one person to another person and affects them and it breaches the boundaries of what it means to just be yourself as an individual because you you penetrate into someone else's consciousness so you feel like it's a whole that's why it's so nice to sit in a theater and watch a movie with everyone else because you know that you're you're all engaged in this experience and sharing this experience in hollywood i think people are trying to see what um how i guess how an asian asian actor could penetrate into the story of the conscious or the consciousness of of what they had set out to what the writer had set out to be or what the director's vision is at least they're opening up that vulnerability in order to create something new because mm. um, because let's face it, the old, way, old ways get boring and a lot of the old ways aren't working. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So you need to inject something new and open up something. Now we're even. <laughs> I mean, I don't know how much you can actually talk about this, but I'm going to try anyway. Mortal Kombat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's um, try. So I saw a lovely video on your Instagram where it was your birthday and I think you were going around and just sort of knocking on the trailer doors and everyone was wishing you a happy birthday. Oh, yeah. It's, uh, it's a kind <laughs> I, got it's... In, I got in a little bit of trouble for that. Oh, I did you? I got in trouble. I, 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 didn't, I, didn't, I didn't really. Um, yeah. But I think there was one small leak or something like that. Um, <laughs> it, it came on to the Google alert of one of our producers and I didn't even know there was a, such a thing as Google Alerts that you can you can just enter someone's name in, and then as soon as it pops up on Google, they get an alert. I didn't know that. I, right. I'm like one of those people that don't. I don't Google myself. Yeah. I, it it, uh, it fascinates me that people people Google other people once they they meet them. Yeah. Because I just I like learning it for myself. You know, the process of discovery is is kind of like watching a slow story slowly unfold rather than rather than just like skipping to the ending, right? Sure, sure. So many people are such a fan of that video game and obviously the film, TV franchise, everything associated with it. The, the fact that they made this new movie, you know, everyone just wants to Google it all the time, find out the latest, you know, this, I mean, I'm one of those people. <laughs> I am one of those people. So you've got to understand that, I guess, Ludi, just the, the fan base for something like that. It's, it's huge, isn't it? Does that make you slightly anxious about, you know... <laughs> Making another yeah, Mortal Kombat I actually film? don't know how. I guess Mortal Kombat is pretty huge. It's got, you know, 11 games. And I remember playing the first game myself. I yeah. remember actually skipping school to watch the the second movie. And I thought sure. it was great. Yeah. Um, right. The the I mean, the soundtrack in the first movie obviously gets your blood boiling. Yeah. But, um, but so in hindsight, I don't know. I haven't seen the, the films in a long time. I don't know how they hold up against time. But... All I know is at that point, at that stage in my life, um, I thought it was awesome. Mm. Um, so I hope, I, I guess since then, uh, a lot 
it's it's still going. So that proves that um, people like it and people want more of it. Yeah. But I was just talking to to Simon. We don't actually know how many fans there are out there. And I think Simon's vision was always to to not disappoint the fans, but also to build a wider world so that it, it transcends the games. Because let's face it, just looking at some of the characters, some of the names, um, I think Ed Boon, like the original creators of Mortal Kombat, probably just sat somewhere and went, oh, this would be really cool. Let's just, you know. Yeah. Um, th- it was kind of a, uh, let's let's kind of play it by ear and wing it. And things just build up like that over mm. time. So um, I think what Simon wanted to do was to create, uh, to make, to, to, to put some, to put some laws of physics. Sure. Laws of nature into this wide universe of Mortal Kombat because it's been around for so long and things just sort of evolved naturally through the input of fans, the input of creators, the input of different renditions of the game and different dimensions. It's wild, right? Yeah. You have no idea what's going on. So yeah. um, to, to make that concrete and to make that feel real, to make the people actually, to make the audience actually engage and believe in this world, um, we need to solidify the universe and make the, make the characters um, authentic. Mm-hmm. Authenticity has always been such a key point in what Simon wants to do with this movie. It, it boggles my mind how much yeah. detail he put and how much emphasis he puts into the authenticity of each character. But it's still, I'm guessing, you know, I mean, it's Mortal Kombat. There's got to be a lot of action, a lot of fighting. And we should say, obviously, you are Liu Kang. You're the main, you're the, the main guy in this movie. So, you know, one, congratulations. And two, what was the training involved it to prepare yourself to be Liu Kang? Um, well, look, I've never, I've never uh, done more fighting in a movie than yeah. Mortal Kombat. So there's a lot of fighting. Sure. Um, but also since, you know, since it's more than a decade that Mortal Kombat has been around, there's such a huge gamut of characters in the video games. And same thing with this movie. Um, I, it's it's a really ensemble cast, and there's some new characters that's thrown in for uh, for the delight of the audience. Um, so it's always nice for me to not have to 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 be a part of something, to be a part of a team to do this. But we always get there, no matter what. There was there wasn't that much time to to train for this movie to prepare for it. So a lot of times we had to train as we go along. So sometimes we'd be shooting a scene and then, you know, in between we'd have to start choreographing for the next scene. There's mm-hmm. not a moment's pause in the, in the whole time that we're filming this movie. Um, we're always doing something always in action. And that's, um, I, I think that's, that's the best part of making a movie. You're just yeah. so focused in the zone where uh, you're, you're in the, you're in the flow of things, you know, that nothing, nothing hurts you. Uh, no previous injuries really matter. You don't think about anything. Your your mind and your um, all your energy is just so on point and focused on doing one thing that mm-hmm. um, that it seems like nothing can stop you from doing this thing. You would have had some pretty decent sparring buddies uh, on the set: Joe Taslim, Max Huang, um, oh. you know, Lewis Tan. I mean, these guys are, are great. You Freaking know, and they've got amazing. A- yeah really yeah. amazing our stunt team was amazing as well 
um, a lot of the stunties I worked on um, already, uh, I worked with already on Aquaman because yes. they're all from Australia. So yeah. they just flew down on a short flight down to uh, down to Adelaide. Um, but Joe, um, yeah, Lewis, uh, Max, who I Max, man, I go I go so far back with Max. Seven years ago, when I first went back to Beijing to um, to start my film career over there, Max was actually in the first project that I did. It was called um, "I'm Sorry I Love You," and yeah. he was a stuntman at the time. And he he's been working with Jackie Chan for over ten years. That's right. Yeah. So that guy, you know, breathes, lives, breathes, um, and thinks martial arts. And he was just so excited about playing um, playing his character that uh, it's. Uh, it's a it's huge really break impressive. for him, isn't it? It really is. Um, you know, I can't wait to see what he does. I think he's Kung Lao. Is he Kung Lao? He's Kung Lao, yes. Yeah, it's amazing Amazing for Max. But yeah, you've got a really great ensemble cast. What I was going to say about that video message was that clearly, you know, this was an enjoyable set. Everyone's, you know, high-fiving, wishing you happy birthday. It's It seemed like a very joyous and pleasant shoot. Is that fair to say? So nice. I've never... Yeah. Um, this is the first time I've ever been a part of a movie while filming i went <laughs> like i don't know if i want to say this and 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 possibly uh you know put some fire in some fans pants but um I, while i was making this movie i literally said to myself and the director as well look i don't know how how good this movie turns out because i'm having such a good time making it yeah. and that's it that's the whole thing that's the whole yeah. experience and it must have been great to be back in australia as well because you weren't born in Australia, but you, you went to boarding school. You grew up in Australia, didn't you? Yeah, I spent a lot of time there when I was a kid. Yeah. Um, but I've, I've never been to Adelaide. It was, it was such a nice, it was a really great place to film in. I hope more films take place there. Not too many more because that will, that will kind of ruin it. But yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, but it was really nice. It was, there was a lot of uh, Asian cuisine. I yeah. was really surprised at how diverse it was. Um, we went to some really wild places to film, like Cooper Um Do you know? Do you know what Cooper yeah, is? That's like a town that's under the ground, isn't it? Is that Cooper Pedy? That's, it's, yeah. it's, that's right. You, you yeah. got it right there in one sentence. It's a whole town that's under the ground. Um, you know, ninety ninety seven percent or something ridiculous of the world's opal is produced there. So everyone's digging right. there. Um, right. They got their own terms like noodling for opal. Everything is about opal there. There'd be a uh, there would be some unassuming old little lady um, sitting in her, you know, uh, uh, in her chair above the ground of her underground shack. But she, you talk to her for a minute, she would show you these rocks that are worth like hundreds of thousands of dollars, <laughs> yeah. pounds. Sure. She'll just pull it out and let you hold it and play with it for a while and be like, yeah, that one, uh, you know, we dug up. Yeah, about uh, seven years back, it's worth about seven hundred seven hundred and fifty dollars. Here, throw it around. You know, it's, yeah. it's a really interesting place. Um, yeah, I mean, Simon really wanted, like I said, he's <laughs> he's all about authenticity. So he didn't want that many blue screens around. So a lot of um, a lot of the action, a lot of locations, they're physical, they're analog. And I think there is a difference in that. I think you do, I think you do feel it. Yeah. Um, we're just not that at that point yet, and maybe technology that we 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 can't uh, we we can completely fool a hundred percent of the audience. 
and there's no uh, there's no fooling over here. I mean, James Wan is obviously the producer of Mortal Kombat. You worked with James for Aquaman. In comparison, I'm guessing that was quite a CGI heavy green screen environment. It sounds like Mortal Kombat was quite different to, to Aquaman. Yeah, so it's uh, yeah, it was quite different. I mean, yeah. for Aquaman, it was it was. I think I've said this before. It was called Aquaman, but. I don't think we get we got wet even once. Sure. Um, so the whole everything underwater, all the water was CG'd. Like imagine your entire world is basically CG'd for Mortal Kombat. Okay, so for Aquaman, it was called Aquaman, but we were never wet. For Mortal Kombat, it's called Mortal Kombat because um, I think at at no point we weren't actually afraid for our lives. Yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah we're literally fighting for our lives um because we you know we, we we take these little planes and we go to these locations that we've never heard before we can't even imagine we we, we can't even fathom that it, it actually exists in this world that people have turned you know underground mines that are 40 meters deep into into hotels and and, and dwellings and we're filming in the outback um in the middle of the night or going to this granite quarry where um, things are exploding all over the place. It's just, uh, yeah, it's wow. just an experience of a lifetime. <laughs> We've got to wait a little while for more to come back because I think it's not till, um, well, who knows? Because everything's being pushed around and all the release dates are changing. So, But it's a, yeah, we're supposedly right. getting it next year. It's an that's R-rated right. version of Mortal Kombat. That's as much information as I've uh, I've heard. Um, so by that, I'm guessing it's quite different to the Mortal Kombat film that we remember from the 90s that was very much a i actually love that film but it was a very different approach it was a pg-13 it was a lot oh, more was re- it? well was i it think it was it definitely okay. you know it restricted it, it was definitely more family friendly let's put it like that <laughs> compared to the game anyway okay well this one is not family friendly sure yeah but it, it is about family so in that yeah. way it's family friendly yeah yeah but yeah. um I would hesitate to bring, you know, a five-year-old into this film. Yeah. (laughs) Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Young man, you're dreaming. Take me. You're joking. 
You've got a background in Muay Thai kickboxing and Jiu-Jitsu. That's your original martial arts training. Is, right. Is that that's right? how I started. I started yeah. with Muay Thai. Um, I love Jiu-Jitsu. I did it yeah. for a long time. But now I think um, more and more film fighting experience have overshadowed what I actually do um, in, you know, in the ring or in competition. Yeah. Um, and it's drastically different. It's so different, right? In the film, mm-hmm. you're actually you're actually trying to work with people to get the rhythm right and to get a sense, to tell a story. It's not just about winning. Actually, I don't think martial arts is about winning in the end. And I think that's why I enjoy Muay Thai so much because it's about, uh, it's about keeping the arts going. Do you take to choreography quite well? You enjoy doing all that? I, I do. I do. Yeah. And I think, uh, I think if, you know, for, for dramatic actors, if you haven't done action before, I think um, they're really missing out on something. I don't. I don't think there is that much difference in in dramatic acting and action acting, actually, because when you when you're trying to memorize a script, you don't just memorize the words. You memorize the intention, the actions that go with the words, mm-hmm. and so that's just that's just choreography with um, words added in. So, action choreography is just acting you know, with the words acted out, which is, which is body language, which is, you know, over 90% of what we say anyways. And are you a martial arts movie fan? I mean, are you, are you into these, these types of films? Uh, I'm, I'm a movie fan in general. Yeah. I don't, uh, yeah, I, I'm not uh, genreist yeah. against any, <laughs> any type of movie. I just like a good movie with, with, uh, you know, some, something, provocative something that evokes an emotion or something that adds to my point of view something that teaches me something or something that makes me feel something um yeah i love action movies you've done romance you've done comedy you have done action you've done fantasy films as well i mean it strikes me as you're an actor who's willing to jump in and sort of play with genre definitely any role any genre as long as i find it as long as i find it interesting yeah. Um, yeah, that's pretty much me. I think, um, yeah, there's just so much out there to explore. So, mm. um, and I haven't found one thing that I enjoy so much that to the exclusion of all other things. So, um, which is, which is, I think it's a very different take in, in how people usually go about the film business because, you know, film is typecasting and, mm-hmm. and that's undeniable. You just, sometimes you look at a guy and you go, okay, he's a bad he's guy. going to try to <laughs> yeah. destroy the world yeah, exactly. or, okay, you know, he, yeah. he's a dad or something yeah, like that. Yeah. Right. Oh, speaking of that, my friend Ty Maz, he's branded the Asian dad of, yeah. Um, yeah. of the cinematic world. But yeah. you know, same thing with him. He takes it differently. He, he doesn't, he doesn't brand himself as a dad. He just happens to be a character that is a father. So yeah. um, for me, for, you know, I, either I'm a role that happens to do a lot of action or I'm a, I'm a character that happens to be involved in this uh, romantic tangle or, you know, it's, it's the situation that the stories want to tell, but the role itself is still um, about what this person actually is like in this world or, yeah. um, you know, how he thinks or, um, why he does what he does. And was it your mum that inspired you to take up acting? She's an actor, isn't she? 
she she was so yeah. if you if you say that um whether it was my mom that inspired me she only inspired me by 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 constructing as many obstacles as she could to prevent me from <laughs> to, acting yeah i think sure. i think that's how she i think that's how she does what she does i think that's how my mom does her magic no she um she sets obstacles for me to try to overcome because she didn't want you to go into the industry did she is that is that right yeah not in the least i i did it um on the threat of being exiled from the family pretty much really yeah um what would she have preferred you to have done um to get a real career right to become a lawyer or or a doctor yeah, which I which I pursued for a while. I pursued medicine for a while. I did dietetics, and I yeah, um, I pursued med school. But um, but you've always got like, that to fall back on, then. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. But it's always like it's the fight in 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 your in your brain and the fight in your heart. And I yeah. guess my heart went out because you know it just it just it longed to. It longed for drama. It longed for uh, theater, and I think I found more meaning in that. Um, but I don't think I think either would have been a great choice for a career. It's just how you live your life, demonstrated by you know all the all the frontline workers that are trying to help with this uh, pandemic right now. Yeah, I mean there's so much meaning in that. Um, you know, a lot of times actors joke that you know this is we're only making a movie. We're not trying to save the world. Right now, it's it's uh, that point's very demonstrable because you know all the doctors are literally trying to save the world. Sure, but yeah. but for me, I feel like acting is, in a way, also saving the world because I think the world is composed of just stories we tell ourselves. Um, yeah, and right now, the media and how we tell those stories is influencing the world more and more. Um, yeah, you know, the U.S. president was elected on a social media platform. Mm-hmm. By by making very dramatic, very startling comments and really triggering um, emotions within the people. So that's, I mean, that's always that's a story that we tell. So, mm-hmm. so I think I think in a way, everyone's trying to save the world, um, but there are a lot of forces that are trying to destroy it. So, just yeah. trying to do the best we can. I've got to ask you, what does your mum think of your career now? <laughs> Now that you're, you know, leading big Hollywood movies, I mean, is she eating her words a bit? Uh, she she's got a very, sh- you know, bad short term memory. So when she comes to <laughs> right. visit me on set or when I bring her to premiere, she'll be overwhelmed and be very happy. But um, but she's always going to be worried, you know, yeah. especially at times like this where where um, there's a lot of uncertainty. Um, so she's always worried. That's what moms are. So yes. all the kids trying to, you know, trying to convince your moms not to worry. You can, you can, you can, you can keep trying. Just know that you, you'll never do it. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm used to it. She's used to it. Um, she actually came on the set of Mortal Kombat and found it quite boring. Right. <laughs> there's, there's, there's a lot of waiting around to, yeah. to wait for people to set up before the action can begin So, um, but she had a really great time in Australia oh. is that one I bastard here? who the hell are you? you dare call our boss that? you were born in China but then you went to Sydney at quite a young age didn't you? yeah that's right for yeah. some family reasons I was there um, yeah. but first I went with my mom to um, uh, to Hong Kong 
Uh, we moved from England, China, where I was born, and then yeah. we, we went to Hong Kong and started life there. And then um, that's where I began, like, kind of globe trotting. Because yeah. back then, you know, air travel was re- really not as, I mean, it's not, <laughs> again, we're living in this new normal where. <laughs> I where know, it's are. weird. I was going to say that air travel is not as easy as, as it is now, but yeah. right now it's not very easy either. Um, <laughs> no. But we found other ways to connect. So back then, traveling really literally meant that I felt disconnected to everything yeah. I knew. So I had to uproot every time I moved. Um, so I think that through that, um, my survival instinct was to try to absorb as much culture and learn from other people as I could. Because what would happen is every time I moved, I would I would bleed every day. I would get into fights with um, <laughs> with people that tend to pick on me because I'm the new kid, right? Sure. And then, and then after we fight, we sort of came to an understanding and we'd always become the best of friends. Um, my best friends now are the people that really, um, you know, we're smashing our heads in every single lunchtime and got sent to the office together. Yeah. So that's in Australia. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. 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 So it's Australia to you is that's sort of your home in a way. Does that feel like that? I know you're living in Vancouver, but you know, you spent so many years in Australia as a kid, I guess you must look yeah, quite actually, that, at that time. I, I was, I was really learning how to, how to survive so yeah. it was kind of a blur for me but right yeah. now i don't feel like i really i mean a, a home is wherever wherever i feel comfortable yeah and i feel comfortable pretty much everywhere yeah um yeah as long as i have good people around me i have good things to do um i always know where my loved ones are so we're always connected yeah. um i don't really care where my home is i think um i think if we if we all have this concept that the home is just the entire world That'd be really nice, you know. Yeah. I love, yeah. I love the idea of culture, but I hate the idea of borders. You do travel quite frequently between Canada and China, to, still for work. Is that that's that's correct? Yeah, I actually, rarely come to Canada. Only if yeah. I have a project here, like Power Rangers was filmed here. That was quite nice because um, for that entire time, I got to spend time with my mom. Um, yeah. But otherwise, wherever projects are, like Malaysia, last year was Malaysia, was Alabama was um australia obviously the year before that was shanghai was um where else was it i think yeah i did a small film in australia something in the states as well um yeah it's just wherever wherever things are going on we should talk a little bit about power rangers you'd been working in in china for a while by that point that was your Mm -hmm. first sort of big break in in america what was it what was it like that whole experience and and making that film yeah it was really nice i think it was just um like i said i don't think anything happens in a vacuum so it was just a build-up uh towards that point i was actually filming marco polo in malaysia when i got the call for an audition tape and yeah i never i never saw the director when i got casted it was a tape in in malaysia i went back to beijing he he had a conversation with me over skype when i was in beijing and then I was flown back to Vancouver to do um, to do testing, to put on the suit, to do that whole thing. So wow. it, it was pretty wild. I mean, you know, with you mentioned fans of Mortal Kombat, but the fans of Power Rangers, man, oh, yeah. that is really global. And that was really it was really shocking. It was such an eye opener that that's something that I watched as a kid. I, I guess it affected me in quite a big way too. But it really touched a lot of people around the world. 
So, um, and it was just such a, I was new to this whole ball game of making studio films. So it was an eye opener and I'll, I'll forever, forever be grateful for that experience for our director, for our entire cast. How did the filming experience compare to, you know, some of the sets that we were on in, in China and some of the film, films that you were making there? I mean, what, what were the big contrasts, would you, would you say? Uh, I mean, I'll never forget how I felt when I, when I walked into some of the sets on, on Power Rangers. Yeah. It was just, it made things real for me that this is a massive movie and a studio movie. You know, some of the sets that took up multiple hangars just to build part of a spaceship or it was, um, <laughs> it was shocking. It prepped me for Aquaman, definitely, because yeah. those are some yeah. impressive sets as well. Yeah. Um, but it really, it, it struck home that people really take playing very seriously in this world and in this industry. It really made it very meaningful for me mm. because, because I, look, I don't think anyone, you know, I don't think I chose at any point I chose to become an actor. I just think that people, everyone at points in their lives choose not to be an actor because I think everyone was born an actor. We, we play a role in our entire lives and we like to role play. Every single kid role plays. Um, just at some point, people went, look, this is not the game. Um, getting a job and sitting in an office or whatever you do is the game. Earning money is the game. Um, this is the game. But at some point, I just went, I don't think that's the game. I think I, think I like what I was playing before and I want to continue playing it. And... Getting into films like Power Rangers, like uh, like Aquaman, like um, Mortal Kombat, a lot of the big budget movies in China, it really uh, reaffirms that belief in me that um, this is the right game to be playing because yeah. people are really throwing a lot of money and a lot of heart into playing these games and they play it very seriously. You were a fan of the TV show then originally, um, I'm guessing? The Power Rangers? Of the Power Rangers, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You must have been excited, I guess, to, you know, just have been a, a part of that. That's, you know, such a such a big deal. I'm I mean, I'm excited to be a part of any film. Yeah. It's just such a I mean, it's it's a shot in the it's a shot in the dark to be able to make these films, you know? And yeah. I, I recognize how lucky I am and how grateful I am and how how hard I've worked and how hard I'll have to continue continue to work to get to where I want to be, nah. To keep doing what I'm doing, to keep doing what I want to do, is the right way to phrase it. Because, um, because it's just such a a a special gift that people have have allowed me to do this. Yeah. Um, and there's like an infinite infinite amount of room and infinite amount of space to to keep um, to keep growing and progressing. But yeah, mm. so definitely Power Rangers was a huge deal. It was a huge undertaking for me. It was a huge honor. What a great young cast and to be sort of up and coming at the same time as as those guys. It seems like a great stepping stone at least um for for you guys. And I'm guessing, you know, off the back of Power Rangers then quickly follows Aquaman. Is that that's sort of how that worked? Yeah, on the back of Power Rangers, I uh, did some stuff, uh went back to China did some stuff. Um was Monster Hunt before or after? Um, just did some stuff and yeah. um, some indie films in between. 
it's it's always I can't believe that that was only three or four years ago, but a lot has happened since then. Yeah, and it's twenty seventeen. Fun yeah. ride. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's crazy. It's really it's insane to me. Um, but I, I think Power Rangers is a good example of how how if studios go out and look for fresh ideas, new faces, things will come from them. Yeah, you know, um, every single person in that whole crew, RJ. Naomi, Dacre, yeah. Becky, and everyone has done so much better since then. And we just created more meaning, more stories, more entertainment for everybody out there. So I think it was a really smart investment for whoever was in charge of that. Yeah. So you were the ones who were drug smuggling for the master. Huh. I saw an interview with you and you said that you had three roles that you wanted to play, one of which was a superhero and that you felt that you'd done that by doing Power Rangers. I was just curious what the other two dream roles are, Ludi. Uh, it's, you know, I think I might have just thrown a number out there. Yeah, um, <laughs> okay. But because it's, it's expanded. I mean, the, I, I, the other day I sat down and put down all the roles that I'd like to play and I couldn't stop writing for like an hour i want to play a lot of roles yeah you know like i just remember back as a kid um i want to be a rocket scientist i love space i loved animals i want to be a zoologist um uh things that aren't seen very often like i would love to play um play an asian role in a in a in a war film about world war ii because obviously we're a huge part of that mm. you know china was a huge part of world war ii but yeah. you rarely see um global films telling that side of the story mm. i've i've got a i don't want to toot my own horn but i I've, I've got a very strong sense of justice i hate hypocrisy i hate um injustice so anything that has to do with justice or writing wrongs underdog stories you know, I'd yeah. love to play a boxer. I'd love to do sports movies. There's just so many things. There are so many things. Do you go quite method on a role or are you someone who's very much like, just give me the lines, I'll learn the lines, I'll do the lines? What's your sort of approach to, to acting, would you say? I think I think uh, Ian McLennan. Is that is that how you say his name? Yeah, Ian, Ian, Ian McKellen. Yeah, yeah. McKellen, yeah. Said this in a, in a TV show once. Um, and acting, it's very special what we do, is we pretend to be someone else. Yeah. And that's it. <laughs> and, <laughs> I mean, it was, it was in that, it was in that um, Ricky Gervais series, Extras. Yeah. And he said it uh, quite cheekily. Um, I found that always funny. But, um, but for me, no, I, I like to take it different ways. I really like, I, I enjoy method acting. I like to, I don't know. I don't know. Um, I think everyone takes a different interpretation of what method is, but yeah. I like to go, I like to, it's fun for me to make it as real as possible. And it's, uh, it's a lot more meaningful for me. Mm. Um, for Power Rangers, I remember, <laughs> my imagination went wild. I was like, this is a studio film. You know, I play, I play a kid growing up in a, in a trailer park. So yeah. I asked if I could get a trailer and just live in that instead of getting housed in a hotel for the entire time of the shoot. Um, is that they right? Said, yeah, they said they said insurance wouldn't allow it. Right. Um, yeah, they said insurance wouldn't allow it. But for for me, I always like to take something uh, with me all the time from my role, like either a set prop that I could I could just um, live with, 
mm. or um or something that that anchors me to to what I'm doing, you know? Yeah. Um but sometimes it's not that serious. It's always a good balance between between uh how how deep you get because sometimes the most real thing isn't the most effective thing, you know? That's what mm. art is. It's trying to find that balance, right? You can't get lost in the game. You have to find you have to find the rules of the game and how to play it well. How are actors treated in China compared to Hollywood? I mean, is it different in in China? What's the main difference, would you say? I think now it's catching up very quickly really? and the lines yeah. are being blurred. Um the the I think the main difference is what kind of what kind of film you're doing in. Um you're you you want to be in. You know, if you if you like uh dramatic storytelling if if you find a script that you know doesn't have a lot of money behind it, um, it's not the type of films that massive studios would pour a lot of money into. If it's an indie film that um, that really affects you in a certain way, you want to tell that story, then don't expect um, trailers. Don't expect yeah um, full star treatments. And if you you know if you want to be for any Asian actor out there, if you want to go back to China and um, and, and and work there know that um sometimes you won't have all the provisions uh that you would get on a union set because you know unions are they don't exist in china right yeah. so you just have to you just have to find the enjoyment and being in and working as a local and try not to set yourself apart i think one mistake i, I made when i first went back to china is i thought you know, with this worldly experience that I have overseas, I thought I had a great advantage over everyone else. Where, um, but soon after, I learned that a lot of times it's not an advantage. A lot of times, the advantage is in enmeshing yourself within that world, within that culture, and work mm-hmm. like everybody else, rather than set, setting yourself higher than everybody else. You know, because in the end, uh, movies are a collective art, right? Everyone needs to yeah. work together. So it's very hard to work together when you set yourself apart. You hear stories like that all the time where Jackie Chan's actually, you know, he's 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 leading the film, but then he's sweeping up the set and he's, you know, moving things around. There seems to be a reputation in, in Chinese film, at least, that it's a lot more collaborative. You'll see actors getting involved in other departments i'm guessing in in hollywood yes it's that union it's that structure isn't it it's the way things are set up you know you don't necessarily get involved in other parts of the production right i mean in hollywood it's a very very much a very it's a it's a very goal-oriented system right that's why you always aim for the happy ending that's why um that's why it's very box office focused it's Mm. um there's an algorithm everything everything has a system because it's yeah. the most efficient way in accomplishing something in china the relationships matter a lot um a lot as well and more and more um things are becoming um there's that side of it where it's more and more becoming commercial because it's just such a huge industry mm. but you can't um just break away from a culture that you've you've cultivated for thousands of years so there's a real uh, emphasis on on relationships and connections within the people. I mean, I met Jackie Chan on set on a skip, set skip trace once. He uh, he did a stunt that morning, broke his rib, went to the hospital, and they started filming at like five o'clock in the morning. 
by the time I went to visit him, it was 12 o'clock at night. They were still filming because he went to the hospital and came back and, 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 and kept shooting with, uh, with a bandage wrapped around his body. Wow. And so he was taking a break at night and he still took the time to, to see me in his trailer, you know, and he was exhausted, but he was still um, gracious. That's, that's his, that's the Chinese celebrities um, responsibility that they, they take on as a public figure, mm. no matter how terribly they're feeling inside and how much they're, um, they're aching. They know that they're doing, they're contributing something to their fan or the public, you know, and I think yeah. a lot of, I mean, Willem Dafoe, um, who I, who I worked with on Aquaman, he was like that as well. He said to me that at some point he just realized that, um, you know, it doesn't, however tired he's feeling that day, if he gives someone an autograph or says hi or takes a picture with them, it gives that person so much more joy than mm. sacrifices in himself. So I've never seen him turn down an autograph. I've never seen him turn down a picture or anyone who I uh, just wanted to say, have a conversation with them. Um, so that really inspires me. You must also have experienced or worked with people on the other side where, you know, there are a lot of egos. Have you seen that side of it as well? Um, I, th- I think, um, I think that stuff gets, gets quashed fairly yeah. quickly. And sometimes it slips through just in, I think, I mean, I think the smaller the dog, the bigger the bark. Mm. Um, rarely do I see, I mean, you, you hear stories sometimes and the media likes to pick those things up because it's such a, it's a, such a great headline. But I think those are the outliers. Either an actor is really just, you know, emotionally on edge at some point and something just triggers them or, um, or I don't know. Yeah. I mean, reputations and stories get around, but um I've worked with some pretty good people. Maybe I'm just forcing it. And that's something that you embody yourself is to be gracious with people and that sort of thing. Yeah, right. I mean, I I really don't understand. I really don't understand, uh, really don't understand actors who, um, I mean, this is what we ask for. You know, yeah. we ask to, to be shown to the public. Um, and and once you get it, maybe sometimes you, you get more than you wish for, of course. You don't really understand. I mean, I didn't understand what it was like before being involved in bigger films, you know, being being becoming more public. Power Rangers must have been the one that just threw you right in the middle of all of that. Um, right. And that must have been right. a strange experience, I'd imagine. Yeah, and it was great. I love yeah. new experiences. Um, it's something to get used to. But I do understand people that really... I mean, we're all, that's what makes humans interesting. We're all very unique. You know, we mm. take, we play, we play, we, we're playing the same game, but sometimes we play by different rules. And some people are playing by really different rules. So I understand the people that really want to protect their own privacy because their own, their own individual. Um, and that's fine. But um, I think there's give or takes. I can only speak personally. Personally, um, I don't mind. I love my fans and um, I would, this is what I ask for. So I'm not going to, I'm not going to be a hypocrite and bite the hand that feeds me. Yeah. Yeah. There's not many actors I can think of that 
you know, one minute working with uh, Spike Lee on one of uh, his productions and then also, uh, you know, starring in a Mandarin language Netflix series as well. So it's such a, an interesting career, yours. What's next? You know, what's the next move for you, Ludi? I think the biggest challenge right now is making a Chinese film that the world can understand. Um, and on the other side of it is making um, Hollywood films where authentic Asian characters are accepted. Um, so that's the next goal. I mean, the next goal has, I'll never stop traveling. Moving around is always my next goal. Yeah. And the next thing I, <laughs> you know, there's there's things that I want to do, but I, I can never put expectations on them because those those things are pointless. I mean, life throws enough great surprises at me that I can trust it to to have more thrown on at my way. And um, yeah, it'll be. I think I think as long as I'm being challenged, I'll be happy. Ludi, thank you so much for your time today, and I hope you stay safe and. I hope you're, um, you keep well during this really weird time that we're going through. Yeah, you as well, man. You, your loved ones, your family. We'll come through this. Don't worry. Yeah. Ludi, thank you so much for your time. All right. Much love, brother. Bye. Ludi Lin there. What a great honor that was to spend some time chatting to Ludi. Some awesome work coming up from Ludi Lin. Of course, the big one being Mortal Kombat. We are expecting that to land in January 2021, and we cannot wait to see how that film turns out. Very high hopes indeed, what with that uh, amazing cast. Ludi will make an excellent Liu Kang. I have absolutely no doubt about that. Uh, the Spike Lee film that I mentioned just then is called Son of the South. Spike is actually an executive producer on that film. It's set during the height of the civil rights movement. It's a biographical drama written and directed by Barry Alexander Brown and Ludi does have a role in that film so do keep an eye out for that one. You can of course keep up to date with all the latest Ludi Lin news and information by following him on social media. His Instagram page is at Ludi Lin. He is on Twitter at Ludi underscore Lin. And he is also on Facebook. The Facebook name is at Ludi Lin Actor. Before I go, I did want to say a huge thank you to Julia Vu. Thank you so much, Julia, for all your help in arranging this conversation with Ludi. Thank you, of course, to Ludi Lin for taking part in today's episode. And a huge thank you to you, the loyal Fu follower for listening to this episode all the way to the very end thank you so much just because you've hung around to the very end I'll let you know a little secret about an upcoming guest as you know I do tend to leave this as a bit of a surprise so that when the episode drops it's a little bit of a surprise as to who the guest is but I will just let you know that we've got a guest coming up who has first-hand knowledge of just how tough it can be fighting in those classic 1980s Hong Kong action films, having appeared in probably the very best fight scenes ever filmed. Yeah, ever filmed. I would go with that. Uh, Okay, I've said far too much there. (laughs) I'll leave it there. You can probably guess who that is just from 
that anyway, but I am super excited to share that one with you. It will be coming up in a few weeks' time. In the meantime, do keep it locked to all the usual KFMG pod channels. We are on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. We also have the monthly newsletter. Do sign up to that if you want to win some cool free stuff that we give away every month. For the latest martial arts movie reviews, contact information, donation links, and to sign up to the newsletter, head over to our website, kungfumovieguide.com. Thank you all so much for your ongoing support. I will be back in two weeks' time with another new episode of the Kung Fu Movie Guide podcast. Until then, take very good care and stay safe, stay well, and I will see you all again very soon on the show. Until then, thank you for listening and bye for now. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.